Welcome back to the Father's House and welcome back to the table. You and I were created for community. And can I just say right at the top what a privilege it is to join with you here every single week, whether online or in person at the Father's House. It's such a joy to study the Word of God with you. And today at the table, we get to see the grace of God put on display. You see, Luke in chapter seven, he makes sure we understand the setting is spicy. I mean, it really is. He says twice in the one passage that Jesus is sitting down with Simon the Pharisee. Now we understand, of course, that the Pharisees uh, were always testing Jesus. They were growing in terms of wanting to even kill Jesus because his message of grace was an affront to all of their rules, their laws, and their established religious traditions. And so Jesus, though, grace makes time for everyone, including those that find their salvation through their religious traditions. He is welcomed into the house of Simon the Pharisee because right now Jesus is the hot ticket on the community circuit. Everyone wants to have Jesus sitting at the table because this eccentric rabbi, you know, this miracle worker, some are even wondering, could he be the prophet that, that, that's been foretold? Anyways, it was going to be a fun night and Simon welcomes him in but not with the typical honor that you would bring a guest in in those days. You see, when you would bring a guest in in these days, you would you know, maybe shake one's hand, or right now, you know, you're gonna give a, a, a fist bump for COVID. You, know, um, you welcome someone in, you say, hey, can I take your jacket? If they're wearing a hat, can I take your hat? Can I offer you a drink here? Take this seat of honor. Those would all be things that you and I would do. Now, in Eastern culture, in Galilee, in that area, when you welcome someone in, you'd give them a place where they could uh, wash their feet or a servant would wash their feet. You would actually kiss them on the cheek to welcome them in the house. You might even have olive oil or perfume for their hair to welcome them in off the dusty, dirty road and welcome them into your home. Well, Simon the Pharisee didn't do any of those things. And Jesus sat down, not like you and I would in a chair, but in those days, it was the custom to be able to sit and recline at the floor so your feet would actually be behind you. So we don't know who else was sitting around the table, other Pharisees, other, other uh, you know, guests of renown and of note and of reputation, but there was one person that walked into that room that night that was not on the guest list. And though she is nameless to us, she had a name in Galilee and it was not a name that anyone wanted. She was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute. She was known as the one that mothers would tell their kids to stay away from. And here she is walking right in and sitting behind Jesus. She does something that is downright scandalous. She lets her hair down. And in those days, you did not let your hair down in Jewish tradition. That was a sign of dishonor. It could even be seen as sensual. She is so moved by what has happened in her heart because of Jesus that she literally begins to cry. The tears fall out of her eyes onto the dusty feet of Jesus that would, would have been behind him. She then uses her hair, not a servant's towel, she uses her hair to wipe up the tears that's on on her on his feet and then she takes this expensive perfume and and puts it on Jesus and 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 all the Pharisees, of course, they're around the table going, this man is obviously not a prophet. Otherwise, he would know what kind of woman this is that he is just kind of letting 
do this to him. And Jesus, of course, knew exactly who she was. She knew who she was free from sin. This was a daughter of God. Jesus had, in fact, spoken this woman into existence. And he knew her better than anyone else. And, of course, he also knew her sin. Jesus tells a parable because he sees all all of the people that are aghast and judging and looking down on this woman. He tells a parable to illustrate how important it is that you and I know that to whom much is forgiven, they will forgive much. They will love much when they are loved by God. The problem is every Pharisee, every person around that table had forgotten they were only at that table by grace too. You see, Jesus had not just grace on this woman who wasn't being sensual, but was actually the only sincere one in the room uh, because he wanted to not only reach this woman's heart, he actually wanted to reach the heart of the people around the table, including Simon the Pharisee. You see, she was exemplifying what happens when you and I are embraced by amazing grace. And he says this, in Luke 7, 47 through 49, I tell you, her sins, and they are many. So it's clear Jesus knew exactly what this woman's history was. They have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, just picture this woman who had been scorned all her life, been the outcast, never allowed necessarily or invited necessarily to come into a home like this. He says, your sins are forgiven. He serves up a heaping helping of grace to this woman. This woman who was actually more of a host to Jesus in that moment than even the host was. And she wasn't even on the guest list. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? You see, it was God's grace that met this woman right where she was at. You have to assume that she had had some encounter with Jesus before because she knew when she walked into the room exactly who Jesus was. It's very probable that she heard one of his sermons about how the kingdom of God has come for those who know they are sick and he wants to make them well. Whatever had happened in her heart, there was only one response to this amazing grace and that was to pour out in the only way that she knew how upon this man that changed her life. Now, God wants to reach the person at the table no matter how, what ends they are on. Whether it's the prostitute woman that is in a life of sin, or it's the, the man, Simon, on the other end of the table. This is his table. This is his house. Where does Jesus get off forgiving sin? God wants to reach everyone at the table. And my question to you would be, which one are you? Are you on this side? Stuck in sin? A habit that you can't get out of? Are you on that side where you are kind of looking down on those that are filled with sin, that live lifestyles far from God? Are you somewhere in the middle of the table? No matter where you're at, grace is calling your name. He wants us to know that he is not only extending us grace through his son, Jesus Christ, but has also asked us to extend grace to others. It's what God has called all of us to. It's what Paul understood probably more than almost any other disciple because he was a Christian killer. He threw Christians in jail and yet grace met him one day on the road and changed his life forever. In Colossians, which is where we're going to be camping out for the next couple of minutes, Paul actually gives us some very practical ways that you and I can make sure 
whatever someone sits at our table, what they get is grace, no matter which side of the table they're on. Paul says it this way, Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, whenever we come together around the table, whether at church or at home, we're always supposed to bring a song. We're always supposed to come with some form of thanksgiving. Singing with what? With grace. In your hearts to the Lord. Every day we get up, it's another example of something we didn't deserve. That was freely offered to us. God wants us to worship the way that woman did when, he, when she worshiped and, and, and poured out her best upon Jesus at that table. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why does it end with thanks? Because when you and I realize what grace is, the only response, just like that woman, it's like that woman crying tears, wiping his feet with her hair. The only response is grace. I like how Jim Dobson um, describes it. Just justice is getting what you deserve. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. All of us are here right now because of God's grace. And God wants us to bring grace back to every area of our lives, all the circles of influence, every place where you and I have a relationship. And it starts by bringing amazing grace back to where we wake. Where, where do we wake up every day? Yeah, it's our home. This is often the hardest place to show grace because everyone at home knows us really well, right? The people at home, they know which buttons to push. Simon was not showing a lot of grace in his home that day, either towards Jesus or towards that prostitute. May the same not be said of our homes. May we be able to show grace, first of all, with our family and our spouses and our children, and then be able to use the tables in our homes to welcome others, regardless of where they're at, in that process of seeking Christ. Paul says it very clearly, painfully, practically, Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Hmm. Maybe we should stop right there. You're like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. Let's not stop right there. But isn't that true? That you and I are, and, and if you're married, marriage is just two imperfect people refusing to give up on each other. Uh, it's this place where the grace has to be shown. It's a two-way road. I mean, maybe even just this morning, uh, before you even started watching this, or maybe if you're watching this at your house church, on your way to the house church, the, the words that you had with your spouse were less than gracious. Maybe they were even kind of harsh. The tension level right now in our country is pretty high. So it would be pretty normal to have that carry over into the way that we're talking to the people that we say we love the most. And that includes not just our spouses, but also our, our kids. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. 
Grace is what brought us together in the first place. It's the union of a husband and a wife in grace that brings about children. If grace is what brought us together, grace is what's going to keep us together. And the truth is, is that no one wants to hang out in a place where there is no grace. It's his father is with children. He specifically calls us out because sometimes I can be kind of harsh with my boys when I get frustrated with them, right? And God is saying, hey, do not discourage your kids. Grace is a two-way road all the way around. If you want grace, we need to give it. We, we tend to expect grace in abundance, but give grace with resistance. We, we tend to want grace given to us, but we want other people to earn it. I'm sorry, but that's not how grace works. You see, neither the prostitute nor the Pharisee deserved grace, but Jesus was offering it freely to both. And you and I must understand, we got to fill this space with some grace. I, I want to look at a couple challenges that you and I can give to bring grace back to our home space, to the place where we wake. And I love this picture that um, my, my son drew. Now, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites, right? As a dad, it's bad to have favorites. I have five boys. But it was hard not to make the son that drew this my favorite because you'll notice that he doesn't just see me as dad. <laughs> he sees me as super dad. I mean, come on. That's it. And look, mom's got laser eyes. We've all seen those. Oh, boy. You do not want to see mom's laser eyes when you forget to take out the trash or make your bed. I love that. It's so hilarious. So he's got the whole family here and here's super dad flying above with the rocket jets overlooking everything. And the, I, I just love this because it's such a picture of grace. My son was being very gracious with me because most of the time I don't feel like I'm flying. I feel like I'm falling and failing as a dad and a husband, right? And yet grace is able, just like Jesus did with the prostitute, just like he was challenging the Pharisee, grace is able to see us as we are in Christ, not as we are in our sin and our failures. So when we go through these challenges, don't, don't immediately put a heavy thing on yourself and go, oh my gosh, I can't do this, or I've already tried that before, so I'm just not going to try anymore. No, 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 that's a place of failure and condemnation. And Jesus is looking at you saying, you can be super at this. You can be a hero starting in your own home just by taking some of these things and putting them into practice. The first is, is really simple. Speak low and slow. This is hard for me because I speak fast and loud. And you know how it is when you start um, getting upset. Uh, they start speaking a little louder. You start speaking a little louder. Then you start speaking faster. Then they start, start speaking faster. And no one's actually hearing each other at all. It's no longer a conversation. Kind of sounds like what's going on in our country right now. No one's actually talking to each other. They're just talking at each other. So just lower the volume. You take a couple breaths. Actually stop long enough to hear the other person. And when I talk about speaking slow, I'm not saying like patronizingly slow. Like this is how you put a dish in the dishwasher. <laughs> this is how you dump the trash. I'm not talking about that. Like where we're insulting them while we're instructing them. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not gracious talk. God is asking us to be able to talk to those in our family the way we want to be talked to. None of us like to be looked down on or judged. And uh, affirm, affirm that you appreciate that they share their heart, whether it's your spouse or your kids, even if you don't agree with them. 
at least they're sharing with you what it is that they're feeling. Again, this is so important. When, when Jesus was loving that, that prostitute, he didn't love what she was doing. You see, love is not the same as agreement. But she knew she was loved. And he called her out of that sin. Our kids, our spouse, it doesn't mean we're always going to agree with everything that they're doing. But we can affirm that we love them in any number of ways. Affirm that what they've been doing right. Give them the benefit of the doubt. If, even if they, your kids aren't doing the best in their grades right now, it's hard doing school at all. Because many are just doing it from home. The challenges have never been more real. So meet them where they're at and congratulate them for where they're at and encourage them to do uh, better as they move forward. Nothing is more encouraging than someone seeing and acknowledging what it is that you've done. Let's start that at home. Ad admit you're part of the problem and seek forgiveness. You know, confession is good for the soul. And if you and I are trying to be right, we've already lost the war. If that's our whole goal is to be right in the argument, we've already lost the war. Grace, get this, grace will even apologize for something you didn't even do. What? Yeah. Grace will apologize for something you didn't even do. Jesus didn't sin and yet provided grace for all of us because he took on our sin. What if you apologized for something this week that you didn't do to preserve the relationship? You see, in instead of finding fault, grace removes it. This is what he calls all of us to do in our relationships. And so our, our community builder discussion question for you and your family, for you and your house church is simply this. Which grace at home challenge will I put into action this week and why? Let's look at those again. Each of these um, are something that all of us can work on. Each of these provides us. Don't take the whole list. Just work on one this week. And share that with the group. Pause it right here. Share it with the group. And you and I... We can be heroes in our own home. And, and when we do this, when we can do this with our family, with our kids, with our spouse, guess what? God will use our home and use that table as a safe place to bring others in that are looking for grace, that need to be accepted, that need to find a safe space. And, and a great example of this is the Lutweilers. Now, Alex and Marlon Lutweiler, I got a chance to just pop by their house. They're another one of our, our community builders, and they lead a house church every single week. And I, I just as you hear them talk, you can sense that their home is filled with grace, and God wants to do the same in your place, too. Take a look at this. Thanks for having me over to your house. I'm really excited to be here. That greeting with the kids, come on. It just, <laughs> if I had a lousy day before, I'm feeling really good. It is the best. It is the best. <laughs> you get to come home, but you probably wait for that. Every right? day. Every day it gets out of control. Yeah. 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 It just, you, that will never get old. No. no it hasn't. No. <laughs> it's the best. And so you, uh, you homeschool, right? Yes. And you work yep. at Adamo. Yep. Right, and so on top of all of that, with three kids, you guys also host a house church here at this table or in this living room, yep. right? So tell us your tell us your format. What's that look like for someone who's never 
been a part of it? Yeah, so our format's pretty casual. People come in, we we always do dinner together, share a meal. Oh, that's awesome. Really like. lowers the, the barriers or boundaries from the day. And it does. Invites people in to just feel more connected. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we move into our living room and do questions. Or sometimes we just, we never make it past the table and end up doing our questions or talking about what God's doing in our lives sort of here at the table. Oh, I love it. I love it. That, of course, works really well with the message series. Right. Because the table is a tool for community and communion and connection, right? Completely agree. Now, how long have you guys been doing this? Three years? Yeah, three years. Wow, three years. Mm -hmm. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Every single week, and you guys have been hosting it here, and you have a number mm-hmm. of families that come. Yeah, yeah. we've got a, uh, 14 people in our group, I think. It's, wow. It fluctuates from five to seven families. Wow. Because we do kind of on-ramp and off-ramp time, so we just take little breaks. People come pray about it, see if it's still working for them. Families move, families change, and yeah. Yeah, see, that's good for people to know, because I think there might be some that would be like, man, if I... If I host a group, am I doing it for eternity? Or, you know, am I, yeah. <laughs> if I host a group, is there any way out? And so that, that on-ramp, off-ramp uh, seasons is so so good that people have that flexibility to just be yeah. able to say, yeah. sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. Yeah. There's no, like, guilting or obligation to keep going, you know, or that kind of thing. We even off-ramped for a season before we were kind of back into small groups. We intentionally, like, yeah. like hey, this is, it's not our season right now. We're, we need a little break. Yeah, and coming back, it's really refreshing and exciting to be back into that rhythm again. And right. Have the yeah. cadence of the families being here and just really great thing. Yeah, so it's something you guys look forward to every week. Oh, yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. And oh. our kids look forward to it. Oh. You can just feel it in the house that you feel God. Yeah. It's Thursdays when uh, all the families come in. It just is a special day we get to experience God in a different way when everyone else comes and brings their stories and fills this house with their own prayers and their prayer requests and we get to hear stories of what God is doing that week prayers he's been answering from that were requested six months ago or before that so we feel it that there's like just something so special in the house that happens you guys are having church up in this place. That yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah, that, you just described a good church service right yeah. there. So that's incredible. And so um, what would be like, if you were to look back over the last couple of years, maybe some challenges in being the host home for uh, for house church? I would say just starting. Okay. That is all the things you have in your head that are the reasons why you can't. They're, they seem so big. And it seems impossible to mm. get over them. Mm. But once you just start, you realize that they were a lot, those hypotheticals were a lot smaller than they actually right. are. Or there's really just so much life, so much blessing that even when they do come up, they kind of, there's just nothing that can override all the good that God wow. is doing. Yeah. But wow. man, the starting, all the things you have in your head. Yeah. Um, even if it's in your own home, like insecurities about your home, is it, can it accommodate that many people? Right, I, right. What are people going to think? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things. Or what if my kids get sick? What right. if um, it just doesn't work with the kids? You know, there's just so many things, and they're absolutely normal and very true, but um, the truth is they're not as big wow. as they are before, when you actually start versus before starting. Yeah, yeah I, I think even uh, another thing that when we looked, when I look back, I go, oh man, just being concerned about having another thing during the week. Right, you know, yeah, gosh, right. You know, one you, more thing. Yeah, you guys are super busy already. So. Yeah, and, and 
but it, it's been so fulfilling um, mm. in the midst of hard times, in the midst of good times. God has used that our group not only to be a blessing to the individuals who come, but it's been a huge blessing to our family. Like Marlon described, we feel like God does just an unbelievable work in us through this time together where we're meeting God, we're praying with one another, we're seeking him for each other and, and really contending for things. It's just, it's really incredible. You, you, you could come de-energized or zapped from a, maybe a bad day of work sure, sure. That's okay. yeah. and, and leave feeling like you, the weight of the world is off your shoulders and you, you're carrying the weight that God called you to carry. It's wow. just, it's so refreshing. Yeah. Wow. So. And it's almost at, at this point, probably hard to picture doing life without uh, without okay. a house church group, you know, and, and yeah. before when you look at your Christian oh, for life sure. before you go, wow, why did I, why did I wait so long? To... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas before you think I don't have the time, I don't have the margin. Right. And then once you do it, you're like, I actually can't do the other six days without oh. time of people hearing and like carrying the burden with me. What a great example, right? And and if you're not involved in a house church right now, you can be. All you got to do is go on our app and click on groups and you can see which house churches are available and meeting at different times during the week. You can also say, hey, I want to start one. Just go in the comment section there on our app and say, hey, I would like to start a house church. I would like to host one. And if you have any questions at all, please just contact us and let us know because we would love for you to be able to find a place of grace in someone's house or even open up your house to do the same. We're going to bring amazing grace back to where we wake. Secondly, bringing it back to where we work. Now, I know if you're watching this on a Sunday, the last thing you want to do is talk about a Monday. But the truth is, is that if what we're talking about here doesn't apply there, then we've missed the whole idea. Grace is not segmented. It is not just limited to religious circles. Uh, please know that Jesus, when he walked this dusty earth, he was illustrating that grace goes everywhere, both to the Pharisee and to the prostitute and everywhere in between. And that includes our workplaces. It says here, and Paul continues in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, slaves, uh, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, let me just make it clear right off the bat, Paul is not endorsing slavery the uh, indentured servitude was a major part of the Roman economy in that time. It would be very much like a modern day employee. And now look what he says here. He says, obey your earthly masters and do it. <laughs> Not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I mean, Paul, he doesn't mince any words. He totally calls us on our stuff. He sees that you and I tend to work a little bit harder when the boss is in the room and maybe we just kind of slack a little bit or cut some corners when no one's watching. Whatever you do, this is so good, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. He's saying your boss is not your boss. God is your boss. The one who gave you the grace to get this job in the first place is the one who's asking you to walk in that grace in your workplace. Don't work for human masters since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. 
and then it doesn't let the employees and the employers out either. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I love this because grace wants to invade every area, every space in our life. And whether you're an employer or an employee, God is saying, I want you to act, walk, live, operate in that space of grace. Again, grace is a two-way road. It goes both ways. If you want a gracious response, you need to be gracious towards those that you are working with. And here's a couple just got grace at work challenges that you and I can look at. First of all, start with that important question. Who is my source of provision? This is really good, especially in this day and age. This year when so many are on unemployment, so many have lost their jobs, so many of our jobs, our hours have been cut. We're not even sure how long they're going to last. God wants to speak to you wherever it is that you're at, that God is your source of provision. That's not just some hyperbole. We literally just read it. He is the one that you're working for. He will be your provider, your source of provision. And when we know that, that it's not my boss, it's not my customers, it's my God. Guess what? That becomes our worship to the Lord. That becomes our opportunity to give our very best because God gave his best for us. How hard do I work when no one is looking? This is a gut check. This is an integrity check. Integrity does the same thing whether everyone is watching or no one is watching. God will give you the grace to be able to be integrous in everything that you do. Is my focus on self-promotion. You know, we live in a dog-eat-dog world, where especially now with the job market the way that it is, everybody is trying to one-up each other, and yet God has called us as Christ followers to promote Him and how we're treating others, which goes into this next one. Do I pursue sincere conversation? Or am I back-talking? Am I gossiping? Am I slandering? Am I trying to cut someone down to propel me a little bit forward, to make me look better in the eyes of those that I work with? Think about all of these things. That's the opposite of grace at work. And it's hard. When you have been falsely accused by someone, when someone is treating you in an ungracious manner, when they're trying to put you in your place, our tendency is what? Self-defense. We're going to want to find our way to get back at them. But that's not what grace does. Grace puts it back into God's hands. Remember, you're not working for anyone else but the Lord. And finally, how is God working at work? What if you no longer just kept Jesus uh, at church? What if Jesus was no longer just while you're praying for your meal at home? What if grace was not just something you said before a meal, but grace was something you walked in everywhere that you went? God is at work. At work. God wants to work through you where that you're at. He doesn't ever segment any of this off the way you and I tend to do. He doesn't put it all in different categories. No, it's all in him and he wants us to walk with him it's about more than living for a paycheck it's about living in his presence if he is my source of provision that includes whether i'm at home or on my job site or in the classroom or in the the grocery store or on that phone call with that irate person wherever it is that you're at god wants to infuse that situation with grace and so our community builder discussion question here is 
Which Grace at Work challenge will you put into action today and why? Now let's look at those again. And you can pause it right here in your house church. And again, don't try and do all of these. Start by answering this question here and then look at which of these you can actually put into practice right now. You know, as I was studying this whole idea of rediscovering grace lived out in every area of our lives, I came across a phrase called grace notes, which if you're a musician, you would understand what that is. A grace note is something that a musician will add into what it is that they're playing that adds a flourish, kind of makes it feel more of a full sound and really tugs on the heartstrings. And I, I just, I loved this idea of grace notes being added into the way that I'm talking to my spouse the way that I'm talking to my kids, the way that I'm talking to fellow employees or my boss. And, and to help me illustrate this, I had done an interview with, with really a virtuoso, uh, a, um, a young man that has been leading worship at New Hope Oahu for years since he was just a kid. And, and he is one of the most amazing players. He has authored and helped produce and play many of the songs that have come out of that church. And I sat with him and I asked him if he would show me what a grace note looks like. Actually, what a grace note sounds like. Take a look at this. I really don't <laughs> know how to play a piano. And you're gonna teach me, uh, your student, John Burgess, how to play Amazing Grace just straight up. Absolutely. Okay. We would start block chords in the left hand and just melody. And that's where we would start. Okay. All right. And then you would ask me to do that. Then I would ask you to do that, and, and we'd work that through. <laughs> Let's not ask me to do that right now. <laughs> but I want to uh, then ask you to say, now illustrate for us what it would be if now, uh, you know, I've learned, I've learned how to play the basics, and then you're going to teach me, here's how to add in grace notes Absolutely. to that song. So then we start adding some grace notes. I mean, if if we could, I'd just have you just keep playing that for hours. The difference there is so dramatic. So dramatic. Oh my goodness! The the one is straightforward; it's mm -hmm. still pretty, but the other one just kind of I, I just feel my my heart and my emotions yeah. being drawn into it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so one more thing, one more thing. Let's say I'm not in this room, mm -hmm. and it's just you and Jesus, mm -hmm. and you are just reveling in the grace that He's given us to be alive, to be in his presence, the, to have gifts like he's given you to be able to do this. What would that sound like if you were just playing amazing grace to his amazing grace? Let's find out. <laughs> Thank you. 
Wow, Chris, and that's, that's my prayer, is that uh, our life would be so filled with the grace notes of God that a world that doesn't know what that looks like would have to stop and take note of a life song of worship to the Lord infused by grace. Thanks so much, Chris. Absolutely. Wasn't that beautiful? I'm telling you, if I can ever get Chris Sanders to come over here, I'm going to do it because I would love to have him lead worship here. His heart is so pure and humble before the Lord, even though he is one of the best I have ever come across in terms of uh, just musical prowess. And, and yet you could see that he's a man of grace. And here's what I want you to know. You are the grace notes where you wake, work, and worship. You and living out the grace in your relationships and how you respond to people during this time of polarization, politicization, during this time of racial divide, during this time of social unrest, our world needs grace notes. And they're going to hear something from your life and mine that they're not going to be able to hear anywhere else. When you and I respond in grace rather than harshness, when you and I respond in grace rather than in defensiveness, you and I become these grace notes. As you see, even every other religion requires you to work your way to whatever their version of the afterlife is. And Christianity, that sets us apart. Jesus says you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You just receive it, and then you show it. Grace is the sound of heaven, and it's what our world desperately needs. And that's why the final point here is you and I have been called to bring amazing grace back to the whole world. Our world desperately needs it. You see, grace elevates. Grumbling and arguing, it denigrates. And, and Paul never once forgot the grace that God had given him. Why? Because he was talking to God about it every single day of his life through prayer. He says in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Can we just camp there? I mean, before you fill out your ballot, before you put your next post, just do this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Not just watchful, but thankful for what it is that God has done for us. If you're having a hard time being gracious with your family, if you're having a hard time being gracious with your coworkers, Paul's telling us how to do it. And then he says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Even him in prison he is so overwhelmed with the amazing grace of God that he's still looking for opportunities to preach to his jailers, to preach to the, those that are, are imprisoned with him, to write letters and get more grace notes out there into the world. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. I think we have an opportunity here as the church like we've never been given before, at least in our lifetime. We have an opportunity to respond in a way that no one is expecting. To be both bold and gracious simultaneously in our love for the Lord and showing our love for those around us. Paul describes what that looks like in verse 6. Let your conversation be always. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. 
Not just sometimes, not just when we're at church. Always full of grace. Listen, our conversation's full of something, but it usually it usually isn't grace. Early in the morning, late at night, before you get your coffee in the morning, when you're stuck in traffic, let your conversation always be full of grace. Oh my goodness, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Listen, God has just given us a the beautiful reminder that we have the best job in the world. The answer people are looking for isn't that you're going to argue them to your political side. It isn't that you're going to be able to answer all of their theological questions about God or faith. No, it's your answer. The answer people really want, regardless of the specific question, is they want to know grace. And how do I find it? It starts in the conversations we have around our tables. You and I have to understand that God has said to us in Matthew 7, 2, the measure that we use is the measure that will be used with us. He uses the example of salt because in Paul's day, salt was almost a currency. It was so valuable. And so what's the measure of grace that you need in your life? Is this how much grace you're... This is just all you need, just this, this, this little bit of grace. Because, you know, you make a few mistakes. Maybe you sin every now and then. But you don't really need a lot more than that. If that's all the grace that you need, then that's the grace that will be shown to you. I don't know about you, but I need a lot more grace than that. Maybe this is you. It's been of a, tough, a tough week, and you could use a little bit more grace. Maybe the, the grinding, right, that's going on in your life and mine at home and at work. And God is saying, hey, listen, that grinding is unto a purpose. I want to teach you how to show more grace. Maybe that's all you need. But for me, that's not even enough. You know how much grace I need? I need as much as I can get. Because the grace of God needs to be infused in every single thing that I do and I say. And as I've been reviewing these questions, these challenges, there's a, I got a lot of work to do. The good news is there's grace to do it. He doesn't ever ask us to do something that doesn't give us the grace to do. We need to bring more salt into this world to season our conversation around the table with grace. It gives whole new meaning to the phrase, pass the salt, doesn't it? He wants us to pass the grace instead of all the other stuff that's been filling our conversation. So I want us to stay salty. All right. Here's our final challenges. How to bring grace in the world. Couple, couple key questions here. Do people know me more for what I'm against than what I'm for? Uh, a lot of surveys have been done by Barna especially with the younger generations, they really know what Christians are against, but they don't actually know that we're for them. Do people have to agree with my political position to have relationship with me? Do they? Or can we be like Jesus sitting at the table where we'll meet people no matter where they're at in their political perspective because Jesus was going after the heart. Grace can get past all of those other barriers. And finally, and this is the question, all this has been leading up to where have I been shown grace and where can I do the same my amazing wife Cindy my boys people that I've met in my neighborhood amazing people at this church everyone has shown me so much grace it's only by the grace of God that I even stand here 
and can share with you. And it's by grace that I want to invite you to the table. If you don't know Jesus, you can. And our final discussion question here is, how can I bring grace into the world? What's the challenge that I'm going to start? Go back to this. Where have I been shown grace? I want to show it to you right now. Maybe you're, maybe you're more with the, the woman on this end. Maybe you haven't lived that kind of a lifestyle, but you know you're stuck in sin. And Jesus is saying, he wants to forgive you. He wants to show you love right where you're at. Maybe you're more on this end with Simon the Pharisee. And you have used religious practices and traditions to bolster your feeling of security, but with 2020 kind of knocking everything off its axis, even those religious traditions aren't doing it for you anymore. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Wherever it is that you're at, I want to call you back to the table. And if you're like me and you need as much grace as you can get, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to give you an endless supply. So if that's you and you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you would like to come back to him today, let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for the grace, the amazing grace that meets us in this place right now. We thank you, God, for the examples that you've given us around us. We need you. We need what it is that you bought us on the cross. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame upon yourself. I receive your forgiveness that you bought me on the cross. I receive the eternal life that you bought for me. When you rose from the dead, you provided for me eternal life in heaven and a full life here and now, full of grace for every time that I've fallen. Right now, God, I would want to thank you. And I pray this prayer, whether it's in a house church or with my family or just on my own, wherever it is, God, I just pray this prayer right now so that I can hear it, so those around me can hear it, so even the devil can hear it. But most of all, that you would know you are my Lord and my Savior and my life belongs to you. I receive that grace that I cannot earn and I don't deserve. And I extend that grace towards the relationships in my life that everyone would be welcomed around the table that you've just invited me to. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and the first time in a long time, I just want to rejoice with you. I just I want to celebrate with you because now we get to sit at the table together. We do. <laughs> and uh, and the, if you're watching this on our Facebook Live, right there we're going to provide a link where you're going to be able to know some next steps because we want to take this journey with you. You don't have to take it alone no matter where it is that you're watching it from. If you're watching this online, our, our YouTube channel or on our website, just in the comments below, just say, hey, I just met Jesus and we will be able to contact you. We'd love to give you a free Bible and help you with your next steps. But ultimately, I just want to thank you for spending this time with us because I can't think of a better way 
to spend the time that God's given than to be a voice of grace in this harsh world. And thank you to each and every one of you who continues to give to us in the multiple ways that we can give, whether you're mailing it in or whether you're texting TFHSD to 77977 or you're just giving through PushPay on our app. No matter how it is that you're giving, I want to thank you for it because we could not keep doing this if it wasn't for you. Your support means everything to us in these days and I can't wait to see how God's grace is lived out through you where you wake, work, and worship. God bless. I'll see you next week at the table.